0: the humane roundup podcast i like trying to do that to sound like i'm somebody else it never works it's that time of the week again humane roundup podcast with your hosts daniel ettinger
1: and ashley bishop
0: ashley dungeons and dragons bishop how's it going so before we got started ashley told me about her little Dungeons and dragons game and i want to know more
1: well what do you want to know like we we we've got some people that are like incredibly dedicated one of them might drive up like from two hours away to play once a week with us incredible Others. i just want
0: i want pictures and i want to see like do you dress up as a dungeon i mean a dragon
1: No, no we we are not larpers we do not larp so
0: some of our listeners probably know what you're talking about me on the other hand (laughs) no clue but it's actually really cool and
1: uh i commend your
0: Dedication to that. That's fun. And
1: oh, you like, should see the setup we have downstairs now.
0: Well, will you say? you gotta send me some photos?
1: I will. I'll do it tonight when we got a first photos right, well, is
0: The Humane Roundup podcast. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook Humane Roundup. Uh, check out h.o.bishop, not Dungeons and Dragons Bishop, but h.o.bishop. She's on Instagram and Facebook, and then I'm there as well on as animal protection officer daniel we have a cool show today we're going to talk about life after animal control yes there is a life after There is a life Uh, so i'm excited to get to that here in a few minutes and we definitely got our game pick of the litter so don't don't uh don't sleep on that you got to stay here to hear about the pick of the litter how's your week been bishop
1: pretty good i mean so still working through some things at work and stuff but i don't know the weather's crazy up here like one day we were in negative 20s and then the next day it was 18 degrees and i'm like yes we can walk around with our jackets open and it's no big deal and
0: you say 18 degrees yep we have a lot of listeners in california that are probably telling (laughs) you right now like "Mm -mm, no (laughs) 18 degrees ain't even going outside
1: yeah no 18 degrees and I was like yeah it's actually kind of getting nice out here
0: we had it almost in the 60s yesterday welcome to the high desert yeah beautiful um there's something I want to talk about
1: let's talk about it it.
0: wow we will in a second it's it sucks uh I try to read you know this profession just burns you out and and so like and uh, so I try to, but for, I guess, I don't know why, maybe it's for the show, but I try to read and stay up on like current events and stuff. And there's a case that crossed my eye and uh, we're going to read it here in a second. But, uh, before we do that, I just want to tell our listeners, especially our officers in the field, trust your instincts. I can't really go into detail at this time and maybe sure. at some, sometime I'll share a case, but trust your instincts. Your instincts are usually never wrong. And uh, if you don't think you have enough, you might have enough, uh, and just try. Uh, whether it's um, a witness, something that they heard or saw, it's never. It's not going to. It's not going to hurt you. And I'm curious if any of our listeners have ever had a warrant denied. Have you ever had a warrant
1: denied? I've had warrants where we weren't. We were told not even to write it. In oh, wow. fact, recently, I, it was told to me like, "Yeah, you don't have enough for it, so don't." It doesn't even. Pay to waste Is that your from time?
0: your district attorney,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, I don't love that i I wonder sometimes I think that they kind of get in the way of of like if you think you have the pc and then they kind of tell yeah. you you don't i I don't know, I don't love that, but
1: we and, can and I think a lot of that comes down to training too i yeah. I've also had a city attorney when I wanted to do an inspection warrant. um, I had somebody tell me, oh well, it they're allowed their privacy so no i'm not going to issue you a warrant and i'm like but that's the whole point of the warrant is that they yeah. really shouldn't be allowed their privacy right now yeah um so that was incredibly frustrating
0: yeah it is and uh i i guess i just i, I can't go into any detail clearly but at some point we'll talk about it further and i just want to again Send it out to uh, the listeners, the ones that are out there in the field doing that type of stuff. Is just trust your instincts. If you think you have enough, you probably have enough, and hopefully you can convince your attorneys uh, or your whoever to um, let you go and and give it and a try was, and
1: talk to them first of all and see you know like hey do we have enough or write the warrant if they deny it use your creativity because sometimes there's other ways you can get around it and, and like.
0: I was going to say too, Bishop, that sometimes it's, in my opinion, sometimes it's better to write it than to try to explain it over the phone to your attorneys because then they can really see it uh, with it being so articulated. So if you need help, if anybody's out there and wants maybe examples of warrants or just some ideas, uh, hit us up, shoot us messages, and I'd be happy to share what I can to just help better you and, and your department if you need those things. So,
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, all right, I got to read this. I got to read the story from, it is from K5 in Des Moines, king5.com in Des Moines, Iowa. I have to read it. It's a, it's a sucky story, so bear with us here, but I have to read
1: it. All right.
0: All right, title is Des Moines Man Charged with Animal Cruelty After Shooting, Killing a Dog in Front of an 11-Year-Old Girl.
1: Mm.
0: A Des Moines man was charged with first-degree animal cruelty after shooting and killing a dog in front of an 11-year-old girl. The dog was her companion, said Michael, the 11-year-old's father, who requested his last name not be identified. Never do you think that your dog is going to get shot while your daughter is walking him. And this is going to lead to some conversation about that here in a second. Police responded to 1,800 block of... South two hundred and forty third Street around six fifty five PM on Wednesday following reports of a shooting, according according to the Des Moines Police Department. When the police arrived, they found an eleven-year-old girl, a sixty-four-year-old man identified as Curtis LeRoy Madden, and a dead dog. After interviewing the girl and other witnesses, police learned that the girl was taking her dog Tyson for a walk when she fell and dropped the dog's leash. The dog ran down the street towards Madden, who was also out walking his dog. Witnesses said the girl's dog had already turned around and was walking back towards her when the man shot and killed the boxer, according to police. Neither Madden nor his dog was injured. Madden admitted to police that the dog was not attacking him at the time that he shot the boxer, nor had it previously attacked him, according to the court documents. The man shot the boxer twice. The, police, or the girl told police that she was afraid Madden was pointing the gun at her when he shot the dog a second time. The suspect apparently had no remorse about shooting the dog, let alone shooting this dog, a family pet, in front of an 11-year-old girl, court documents said. Michael said the shooting traumatized his 11-year-old daughter. She said he pointed the gun at her. She said she thought she was going to get shot. And uh, I, and Michael said, I just wish she wouldn't have any more nightmares. Madden was initially arrested on misdemeanor charges. However, on Tuesday, Thursday, he was charged with animal cruelty in the first degree, which is the most serious animal cruelty offense under the state law and reckless endangerment. According to the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office, he was booked into jail in Des Moines and is expected to be transferred to King County Jail. Thoughts, Bishop, thoughts.
1: I'm glad, I guess, talking about the article and how it was written. Um, I guess I'm glad at first that they mentioned the breed because I think we get wrapped up so tightly in the breed that everybody would have automatically assumed Pitbull.
0: Oh, Pitbull, yeah.
1: But for if the, if the dog was truly turning around and walking away, like. What was this guy thinking in, I don't know. Do you have a concealed carry license? Yes, I do. So first thing that they teach you is a don't point your gun unless you are willing to kill whatever it is you're pointing at. Second thing is check your backdrop. That 11 year old was in the background. Mm -hmm. Like what, what? Oh my God. I. When you said that, when you said he was walking the dog, I expected there to have been an attack of sorts. That's not self you're not protecting yourself if your the dog hasn't even come to you.
0: And I have a dog. His name is Mooney. Shout out, Mooney. I hope you hear this someday, but <laughs> greatest dog on the planet. No disrespect to anybody else. Love this dog. But he, and he's like literally the greatest dog on the planet. He wants to say hi to everyone. However, Mm. he doesn't understand his bark sounds scary. um, And he will run up to people, but only to be like, he'll run up in a way that we would all recognize as like, oh, he's like wiggly and, you know, yeah. He's not a threat whatsoever. And and so it's our responsibility to not let something like this happen. However, in the article that we read and, and just talked about, the dog's already... There was no attack. The dog's turning away. Sure, this guy may have been, like... Haired. Yeah, and agitated or whatever the case may be. And I bet he did... You know what? He probably angry old man. He probably did point that gun at that little girl. Man, what is wrong with you? Yeah. What is wrong with... Like, she... Now, now. Hindsight being twenty twenty, and talking about these situations... Shouldn't eleven year old girl be walking a dog that weighs as much or if not more than her
1: right, and that was you know i I have a friend that I love dearly um but we were having our eighty pound dog meet her sixty ish pound golden retriever, and she allowed her six year old son to bring him out on the leash and let me tell you, I was screaming her name being like come get your dog your child should not be doing this like what? this is not okay mm-hmm. um and, and i see that frequently now it, i struggle with any child walking any dog no matter the size alone because if another dog comes off of somebody else's property even if you're walking a Chihuahua and you've got a big dog this child's not going to know what to do they're not going to know how to a not get bit and try to get to a safe place and you know things like that so i struggle with any child walking any dog alone under the age of you know 16 yeah, but uh, yeah.
0: there's <sighs> there's got to be some oversight from the parents in those situations we actually uh, just had a case recently where a, a younger child was uh, walking a dog off leash and it got involved in a dog on dog attack and you know just situations like that it can be avoided so I don't want to spend too much time on it it's hard to hear and listen to and I'm sure our listeners are like okay next we don't want to hear this anymore <laughs> uh, but it's it's important stuff and and just you know I I will say I'm glad they bumped it up to a I think they called it first degree animal cruelty in that yep. in Des Moines Iowa so hopefully that's a felony and hopefully he serves a little time for that uh, that's on un on what's the word Unacceptable. Necessary. Yeah, unacceptable. Unnecessary. And uh, I'm glad that uh, the, I'm glad that they caught him and arrested him because I've been on other sides of cases where people shoot dogs and they don't get arrested. So yeah, that's what it is. Are we, should we introduce our guest? Should we? Uh,
1: I think we should.
0: I think we should too. So I want to introduce Kyle Heck. Kyle, thanks for joining us today, and uh, really excited to have you on the program. And we've we've shared some messages over the time on uh, social <laughs> media, and it's cool to. Get a chance to talk to you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: Definitely. Will you just tell our listeners that may not know you about kind of maybe your background, how long you did animal control, and, um, you know, and we'll talk here a little bit about the transition from that, but let's just start with how long you did it.
2: Yeah, so um, I got into animal control in 2014 in uh, Washington, D.C. I started as just an initial officer, kind of. Worked my way in that organization that was with Washington Humane Society at the time, uh, no longer exists, and uh, did some field training later in my career there. Um, I ended up transitioning up to Montgomery County Animal Contro- Animal Services, actually, uh, which is just north of Washington D.C. in Maryland. Uh, I spent another uh, few years or a couple years there uh, until my uh, we my wife had gotten pregnant. I went on paternity leave and kind of transitioned out of the field at that time. Uh, my wife and I made a move up to Michigan, where we currently reside. And uh, yeah, I kind of uh, I, I had some opportunities for animal control that kind of fell through, and I just kind of made a decision to step away from the field for a little bit, uh, step into a new role. Um, so I did animal control for about six years altogether. Sounds
1: Before- like you've had. Yeah
2: go ahead bishop
1: oh i was just gonna say it sounds like you've had a nice variety of different things to different areas
2: yeah um i worked i mean in some of the the lowest income areas of dc Um, i really enjoyed working in low income areas i could really make a big difference i was one of the guys that would carry around donated food leashes collars i always had a uh, compartment in the van just for that um i transitioned up to montgomery county Uh, Which is a very different county. Um, It's a very high income county for the most part. So it was a big transition. I went from complete inner city to working areas that had farm, uh, Mm. which is a very big, um, very big transition going from a cruelty, uh, working cases involving dogs and cats to a cruelty case involving chickens and goats. Um, And in DC, I did not actually investigate cruelty, we had a separate department for that. and so when I transitioned to Montgomery County, I went from just animal control to literally all of animal services, anything under that umbrella. So it was a big transition, kind of done all of it um, for the most part. Can you back up a little bit and talk about
0: the donated things that you had for your, basically the community policing aspect in, I guess that was D.C. or was that Montgomery County?
2: Uh, that was D.C. Okay. Um, Yeah, I would always, uh, we would always have a donation bin at the shelter where people could bring in extra food and things like that. Um, I would often grab as much of that as I could without taking all of it for everyone. Um, But I would load up just a single compartment in the van that I had. Um, That was purely for donatable goods. So if I was down on a call, and even if it wasn't going well, I still had that opportunity to offer my... um, I'm working with maybe a free bag of food, and it could easily change a conversation around from being me getting yelled at or me getting uh, no no answers nowhere. I could give them a bag of food, some leashes, something for their animal. There was multiple multiple times where I'd see someone walking down the street and just yell out to them, "Hey, you want a free bag of food?" Uh, and it worked really well. It was a really good way to kind of kind of change the connotation with animal control in that area. We had a pretty good relationship with our community down there, uh, which is something I really prided on. Furthering, I really liked that idea of community policing. It was always a big, uh, big aspect in my career. That's one
0: of my favorite things. And I really appreciate you talking about that. So yeah, it it does change the perspective, whether it's, you know, me giving out little matchbox trucks to the kids or coloring books to the kids. It's just, if you give something, people are more inclined to be like, okay, I'll talk to this person. Right. Uh, and so uh, I'm glad that you were able to do that out of the two doing like the, the inner city stuff or the, the rural, rural, help me out there, Bishop, rural,
2: rural, whatever. (laughs) Uh, what was your favorite? Did you have a favorite? So, I mean, I'm born and raised in Michigan. I grew up in the, in the country. I live in the country. You, you can see every star in the sky at night. Um, but I still would probably prefer working inner city. Um, I really enjoyed it. I just, there was such a big change that you could make in such a, a small area um, and a lot of troubleshooting and things like that, a lot of problem-solving. I didn't mind working in more rural areas. Um, I worked in a lot of Bethesda, Potomac, um, which aren't as rural. My my whole district in Montgomery County wasn't as rural. Um, but I definitely enjoy. I enjoyed working in the city. Uh, that will always have a place in my heart. Uh, I've got the flag of DC in the shape of DC actually tattooed on my chest because it just made I kind of went there and got my life together, got my life figured out what I wanted to be. And uh, we'll always have a soft spot for that place.
1: That's awesome. But then you moved to Michigan. And you kind of you kind of decided, you know what, I need a break from it. Can you talk about that a little bit? How hard was that decision? It was, it's
2: still is a hard decision. Um, I've been removed from animal control now since 2020 uh, was my last year that I was working. And it it was, it was a, it was a weird transition. So my family was all still living up here. And with the new child, he was five weeks old actually when we moved. And uh, we wanted to be closer to some family. Uh, My wife's from Pennsylvania. She really didn't want to move back to Pennsylvania. So we decided to move back up to Michigan and uh kind of start that transition. I was planning to be a stay-at-home dad. She is the breadwinner of our family. Um everybody knows animal control salaries, so that <laughs> probably makes a little bit of sense. Um, I was the benefits, she was the the money. Um she's a veterinarian. Oh, oh
1: nice. Yeah. We
2: actually we met in <laughs> both working for Washington Humane Society. Um she was one of our shelter vets. So When we moved up, I uh, had a friend who started working for, who I work for now, Zen Habitats. And uh, she kind of mentioned to me, hey, we're looking for people that are knowledgeable in reptiles to answer customer service questions online. It's all remote, um, and it's just answering questions via our website. Would you be interested? And um, I wanted some kind of identity other than just being dad at that moment. So it was kind of nice. I've worked since I was 15. And uh, so I started on working for for this customer service. Um, and I had a, I had an opportunity or two to, uh, to join in Animal Control. Part of the problem is that we do have a different uh, certification standard up in Michigan than we had in Maryland or DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it requires 100 hours of um, training, um, which I did not have. Um, so a lot of candidates that have that are going to be more appealing than someone coming from out of state. Um, there may be other reasons why I did not get the jobs, um, but I kind of took it as a sign from the universe, if you will, to kind of maybe take a step back, uh, reevaluate what I'm doing, um, and decided to sign full sign on full time with Zen Habitats. Uh, did that in December, or uh, yeah, December. So fairly new in that in that full time aspect. Well, it sounds like you transitioned
0: still into the animal world. So it's not like you went into the corporate office, you were able to, I guess, pivot the skills that you have and just doing something
2: a little bit different. Exactly. I mean, the reason why I'm so, for lack of a better word, I'm in love with this company is that we really have pushed from what used to be the minimum care for reptiles. And we're kind of pushing for that realistic care. So our enclosure sizes are designed to push that minimum to what should be done, uh, which has been a conversation really left out in the animal welfare world for years. Um, anybody that knows me from my shelter days knows that I am a go-to for reptile questions and reptile care. Um, I helped to kind of push for the, the humane care of turtle species and other reptile species in D.C. Uh, thanks to the help of uh, a few key characters there, we were able to really push for more humane options so transitioning from that to zen habitats has been fairly seamless because it's a it's a similar mission overall
1: that's that's phenomenal did you just kind of going back to when you were in the profession did you find it helpful for your wife to be able to come home and decompress with her a little bit because you know she she understands on a different level
2: um, as, as much as I love my wife, I actually hated that aspect. <laughs> okay. um, it was difficult because I'd be spending my entire day in the trenches doing all of the work and kind of living this. And then when I got home, what I would always want is just to kind of disappear from it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: Um,
2: and she, she does enjoy talking about it after work. And there was times where I literally had to tell her, I'm really sorry, but I, I can't. I can't talk about more with work, um, so it was kind of a double-edged sword. Now out of the field, I have a much easier time listening to her vent about what happened at her day. Um, she does work for a couple shelters here in Michigan now, and um, yeah, it, it it was a it was a weird situation. It was just it was hard to kind of separate life from work at times, um, which led to a lot of burnout. Um, yeah, definitely relate to that. Yeah, that's that was that was part of what has pushed me out of the field was just the amount of burnout and the amount of drama and transitioning out of that to not have drama feels almost uh, I don't even know how to put it just doesn't feel right. Um, You get so accustomed to the burnout and the drama that when you kind of step away from it, you feel like you're missing something. It's kind of it's a bizarre sensation, honestly. I'll be honest.
0: When you first laid eyes on your wife and you found out she was the shelter veterinarian, did you go across town to pick up all the injured? You're like, no, 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 I got that one. I'll bring it to the vet vet's office. It's cool. I might be 40 minutes away, but I'll still pick it up.
2: So my wife and I have an interesting story. And I can I can remember the first day I saw her, she was walking through the shelter. Um, she was, We were both up at the front of the uh, New York Avenue building in DC. And I can remember thinking in my head, I'm a 22-year-old, I think, at the time. And uh, I remember thinking, I would date her. And I don't know why that thought came into my head. I have no clue why I remember it. Um, that was my instant thought. Um, we I had a uh, shadowing at the veterinary clinic that was down in Southeast D.C. where she was working. It was a part of Washington Humane Society. And I came in, and they were, they were talking about um, the barbs on... Cat reproductive organs and about how weird it was. So I, being the nerd that I am, um, mentioned if you think that's weird, you should see the reproductive organ of an echidna. And if you don't know what that is, I maybe suggest Googling it. Um it's a bizarre. Not, fact. Work. Not at work. Don't <laughs> no, don't do that at work. Um And it's just a random fun fact knowledge. And apparently, she had just been asking her veterinary, her veterinary texts that same question what was weird about that? um, Like two days prior. So, the minute I said that, all of her texts just reared their heads up. Um, And it was just kind of a Kismet story. So, yeah, we we bonded over echidnas. um, After that, though, we really developed a good relationship of being able to kind of go back and forth while I'm in the field, or I could call her up and be like, Hey, I've got this. What do you think I should do? And it really worked to our advantage. And we did have some people at the shelter who were not appreciative of our relationship. So we did keep it um, as, as professional and low key as possible, but we had a lot of the staff members. I know staff members that have actually been on your show, I'm sure, who were um, very uh, welcoming to our relationship and very supportive of it. And here we are seven years later, eight years later, almost. So Four heads?
0: This thing's got four heads? It has
2: four heads, yes. Bro. All right, check so, that out on your Google, people. What in the world? So it I thought like I was a- being clever. And in reality, it was just I was setting up fate, I guess. But... Wow. Yeah, wow. so that's, okay, that's cool. what I was that's why it was a trivia fun fact.
0: I can relate to the uh, relationships at work thing as uh, my girlfriend Jazzy and I work together. So uh, Kyle, I totally understand some of your yeah. experiences and and know exactly what you're talking about. So thank you for sharing that.
2: Yeah, it, t- it took about a month for us to finally um, open up about our relationship when one of our staff members uh, started telling a bunch of people. So we figured it was do or die. We were terrified that we were going to love gossip go. at, at work. Oh, my God, it was the worst thing. We were terrified that we were going to lose our jobs about this. We were on a, a similar level, so it wasn't like there was any conflict. We were just, I, don't, I have no clue why we were so afraid. Um, and why is it
0: somebody else's business to tell? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. why did they have, to, yeah.
2: I was not her subordinate or vice versa, so it really wasn't like there was anything that was going to get in the way of our work. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like, our profession i work at a uh, police department I, you know it's kind of like high school never ends
2: a hundred percent yeah so
1: so you always have that gossip and stuff so
2: yeah and our shelter had a lot of almost like cliques in a way where uh-huh. a lot of people were, were friends groups so if it gets out in one friend's group, then it also morphs into this one and then to that one. And then everything in the shelters is twisted, and you hear like this weird game of telephone. And someone down the road tries to figure out what happened, and it's nothing like what it actually was. And it just, yep. it was never fun.
1: That's got to be oh. a relief then to be not having to deal with that
2: anymore. Has yeah, it helped
1: I- your relationship with your wife then?
2: we've always had a strong relationship. So I mean, I wouldn't say it's helped or hurt it. Um, It's helped my mental health. um, Dramatically, kind of stepping out of that field, as much as I love animal control, I love what I do. Uh, Montgomery County, I, I loved working there, but there was a lot of drama. And it did get a little bit intense at times. And... Yeah, I would come home burned out. So it, it's helped our relationship, but at the same time, I mean, we've always had that strong relationship. So I, I think we could get through pretty much anything if it was thrown at us.
1: Awesome. You still? Sorry, Dan. No, you're. Good. Um, I was just gonna say, do do you still find yourself that you know you're you're out with the kid and you're going grocery shopping or something, and you hear a barking dog from a vehicle, okay. and you turn around and go, okay, what do what do I need to do?
2: Do you still find uh, yourself heard. doing that? Every time. All okay. the time. I mean, someone posts on Facebook an animal tr- control type question. I'm instantly drawn to it. I try to pull myself away from it, and I literally can't. Uh, I, it's just it's a field that works its way under your skin, and I don't expect it to ever leave. Um, I still have so many former coworkers and friends that reach out to me with snake identification and things while they're on the field. Uh, I've got a few friends that still reach out to me with questions about They're about what they're doing on a case, which I appreciate because I can live kind of vicariously through them without having to put myself back into it right away. What's the biggest thing you miss, man? Hmm. You know, I actually haven't thought about it. I just, I miss a lot of the freedom in a sense of just being out on patrol and being able to have conversations with people in person and actually educate people, and and try to change situations around. I liked the problem solving of it. I loved yeah. that, um, and just uh, camaraderie with my with my shift mates. I, I my last in Montgomery County, my shift we were very close. We would run calls together. It was just having that support was always really appreciative. I, I just I miss being in the field in general. Um, I loved it. But I don't miss a lot of the in shelter aspects, unfortunately, as much as I love people in the shelter, like, like we said, it's, it's, there's a lot of drama, a lot of gossip, and I don't really miss that aspect. Totally understandable, man. Well, how about, is it game time? Game time, Bishop?
1: Is it game time? time. It's time.
0: Pick of the litter brought to you by the humane educators of Texas. Check them out, com. Kelly tab, I got that right this time. <laughs> and the pick of the litter. Kyle, it is your turn to play the pick of the litter. Bishop, you got to pull it up on your end? I do. All right, you're up.
1: Way ahead of you. All oh, right, wait, Kyle. Wait, we got
0: we to gotta uh, talk about the parameters really quick. Kyle, you're, you're going to be given <laughs> options, choices, decisions to make here on the uh-huh. Humane Roundup. And it's really just however you feel. There are no parameters other than what is in your head. So you pick based on whatever the heck you want to pick. Oh that's dangerous. <laughs>
1: choose it you can choose to explain or not. It's up yeah. to you how you want to do it.
0: You can choose. Also you can choose both. You can choose neither. But those those
2: definitely require an explanation.
0: Yes. Um yeah. if you choose one then it's fine.
2: I I have no tra- problem being honest or blunt so this works just fine <laughs> for me. All right, are you ready? Sure, let's do it.
1: All right, so first and foremost, van, truck, or SUV?
2: Uh, as far as animal control, I only ever worked in a van, but I would prefer SUV. Uh, personally, we did have one available in Montgomery County for our supervisors, and I loved being in that vehicle. It was just, but we didn't have a high pickup rate, so I will say that. Yeah. Um, personal, I drive a pickup. I've had SUVs, and I just got my first pickup, and I will never go back to having an SUV. So kind of a difference difference when it comes to those.
1: All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess that I know the answer to this one. Cat, dog, or other?
2: It's, it's other. I mean, I've always been. I'm the one that will go on any snake call. I've got pictures of me holding venomous copperheads. <laughs> oh, I love it. Snapping turtles, birds, anything. I've got video of me walking around with a great blue heron um, that I had to squeeze yes. through woods with. Um, and of course, I'm wearing sunglasses and it's dark out and I probably look ridiculous. But, <laughs> um, I was not going oh, to look cool. <laughs> I was not gonna get hit in the eyes. Um, yeah, definitely other. Always other.
1: All right. Hip-hop,
2: rock, or country? always rock. I am metal and punk, uh, till I die. Okay. Nonprofit
1: PD or municipality?
2: Um, PD for sure. I've worked nonprofit and I've worked for a PD and I've worked for, well, Montgomery County was separated and moved to its own office. And, uh, I always enjoyed working with the police department more. The resources were excellent. Um, Just being able to reach out to another officer and be able to have them add so much information to a cruelty case I'm working on that maybe I wasn't able to get, um, especially as a nonprofit. Um, I don't know if I could ever go back to a nonprofit. Um, It's just after working for a PD department, I enjoyed it a lot. Mm,
1: Very
2: good. No shade Uh, nonprofits, just... (laughs) Personal oh. just preference, yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. And and like that's that's part of the game is just we don't we don't mean any harm by any of these questions. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. We're just curious.
2: I am more than happy to be wrong at times. I'm, that doesn't <laughs> of- uh,
1: bite or cruelty?
2: Cruelty all day. I I can I can compartmentalize better than most, but with bites it just it's there's so much he said she said, mm-hmm. and the reporting on it, and no one wants to follow what you're what you're trying to tell them. Um, I always felt like it was so much extra, whereas cruelty can really just there's there's a lot of aspects to it that are intriguing. Um, it may be difficult to see. I mean, I've worked my fair share of cases that I wish I hadn't or hadn't seen, but, yeah, definitely definitely cruelty.
1: Body armor or not?
2: Body armor. Um, I wore a vest in all of d c for d c my pretty much my entire career there. took me a year into Montgomery County to finally get a vest, and at that point, I didn't really wear it because I didn't I, I made it a year without needing it. Was that a smart decision? Probably not. Um, but i I definitely stand by body armor.
1: So you talked earlier about being in a lower income, maybe a little bit more troubled area. Do mm-hmm. you think that the body armor impacted how the public saw you when you were trying to interact with them? Cause that's an yeah. argument we get a lot is that that's why they don't wear
2: body. armor. 100%. Um, and I, I mean, I have an actual, I, I've had that actually happen to me. Um, one of the, we'll say it's the rough, one of the roughest streets. Um, that's down there. Um, I was down there on a call. I had my vest as an outer because I was just sweating profusely with it on. And I remember getting screamed at that I was a wannabe cop. Uh, that I'm I'm not brave enough to come down there without my armor on. Um, and a few other things. And I can it sticks out in my brain. I had calls down there all the time. I've had good interactions, I've had bad interactions, but that was definitely one of the the worst ones, just getting absolutely berated for having body armor exposed. Um, I typically wore my armor underneath uh, so that no one could see it, because I didn't want that to be a factor that played into how my situation went. I wanted that protection without it being a conversation point, basically. OK. Yeah, most people don't know that I have body armor on. I, yeah.
0: It's, yeah and so like sometimes when they're they're like they're surprised by it um yeah so
2: yeah unfortunately
1: some of us can hide it better than others
2: (laughs) oh you could tell i was wearing i mean i'm a i'm a very thin guy a thin build and you you could tell i was wearing it but i never got problems when it was wearing when i was wearing it under my shirt it was just anytime i ever wore it over that i instantly got problems for it
1: okay so barking or stray?
2: Stray. No, no one wants a barking call.
1: I hate you the know, barking calls.
2: Stray's up four to three right now. But believe it or not,
1: what? Th-
0: yeah, three three people pick barking so far yeah. in the in the world. Oh no, of this I
2: picked oh, the, the litter. Every <laughs> time it was well, where's the where's the call coming from? Oh, it's it's the house on the corner. Okay, what's the house on the corner? Oh, I don't know the address. Can you? Yeah, can you tell me, you? me about it. Can You check Google? No. Okay. And then you How long
1: has it been barking?
2: And it's and especially working in Montgomery County where the income levels were were very high in some areas. So the tolerance for barking seemed to be even lower.
0: Yeah.
2: And so you'd have a dog barking for five minutes. And I'm like, if someone heard my dogs, I'd be getting called every five minutes. I mean, my dogs are worse than this. <laughs> and I have blue healers at home and they scream to go outside. So
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Definitely straight it. calls. Definitely straight calls. Uh,
1: cell phone or radio?
2: Both. Um, I'm always a, a good I, like. I loved having my radio for Montgomery County. We did not have one in D.C. I had a push to talk Nextel, and uh, I enjoyed having my radio on my shoulder at all times. So if I ever did have something go wrong, I've got a panic button. Um, just being able to relay information back and forth with either of my dispatches. We had an animal control dispatch. But we also had our police dispatch. So I could actually relay back and forth. It was just so much easier. But I loved having a cell phone to be able to not have to use my personal phone, make phone calls while I'm in my van, be able to work from the road. I did have a um, uh, um I just forgot the term for it. But the the computer in the van, the laptop, what is...
1: MDC?
2: MDC, thank you. Wow, it's been (laughs) been a morning, I guess. Um, I had one, but being able to just make a phone call from my phone, I think those are two crucial aspects for an animal control officer to have in the field, personally. Zoom or in person? We never had the option to do Zoom as the field related, so... I would have to say in person all day. I I like to be able to have that conversation, especially if it's something important. I like to be able to really see what's going on, read all the body language in front of me. And actually, I think it's a little bit more, if it's a, if it's an, a really important conversation, I think it's a little more impactful to have someone there. COVID made that difficult. Um, so I was always masked up. And I was always extremely careful um, when I was working. Because I did start, I was working during the start of COVID for the most part. And yeah, I I can't imagine animal control working really well in Zoom. So I would I would sit in person.
1: Sounds good. Skunk or dead on arrival?
2: So I am fortunate that we never did DOAs in either of my departments. I don't know how I lucked out on that. And uh, DC has had maybe two skunk sightings in the last twenty years, so I never actually had, a, never had a single skunk call. All right. In six years, not a single skunk. But I have skunks here, and I've had to kind of shoe them off my own property. So I'd still, I'd probably go DOA still.
1: You know, surprisingly enough. We only have one other person that said DOA.
2: That's, I, see, I just, everything was skunks. Anytime our officer in Montgomery County would get one, their van smelled for three weeks. And it's just, yep. our our shelter, you could always tell when we had a call for euthanasia for a skunk because it was always, the the entire shelter smelled. And yeah, DOA, you can scrub that smell out and you get used yes. to that smell. But yes. skunks are not scrubbing out for a while. So I, I'll stick with DOA on that one.
1: All right, and our last one for the day. Catchpole, snappy snare, or lariat.
2: Never used a Lariat. Ah, Dan. You're, you're talking I'm about still like, 0 for like, whatever we are on Lariat. You're talking about like lasso, like yeah, yeah. 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 yeah are. Never ne- i am I I'm I'm a completely different type of country for that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like tromping through the woods barefoot country. Um Yeah, no, uh, I enjoyed my catch pole, but honestly, I'm a very um, right tool for the job kind of guy. If the catch pole is the right tool for the job, that's what I would use. Um, Snappy snare was very rare for me. I used it mostly for captures that I could not quite get. Um, I had a dog that I named Waffles because he was a big intimidating thing that was an absolute sweetheart. And uh, he got ditched in, in a park in D.C., and I could not catch him for the life of me. And finally just snuck out a snappy snare and got him. And then he was my best friend after that.
1: Isn't it so, amazing how th- just putting a leash around a dog's head can change their stuff. entire...
2: It took forever. It was just tossing treats over and over and over. And finally he, he would follow me. And finally I just kind of held the snare in front. And then he went to overtake me. And I just snuck it, stuck it out and um there's a picture somewhere i'm sure it's on the internet too of me holding him up and he's a 60 pound pit with cropped ears and here's me holding him completely up in the air with both arms and he was that was one of my favorite dogs ever that but that capture i had two officers watching me and they thought it was the coolest thing ever they wanted the snappy snares for their their cruisers um it was so i mean like i said every tool has its moment um i started to ease away from catch poles later in my career because of mm-hmm. the stress that it puts on dogs, it's just not um, needed. Once you
0: learn that skill, it's just—it really is. I would probably use a catch ball on a dog at this stage of my career once, maybe yeah. twice
2: a year tops.
0: Yep. Yeah, it
2: got it, to the point where it was just for raccoons. I would use it yep. on a dog, maybe at most once or, once a month. Um, and I was a big proponent of getting away from catch poles for euthanasia. Um, I don't like their use. You're already having a dog that's going to be literally meeting its ultimate fate. Why make that more stressful on that animal? Um, whether or not they're truly aggressive, I was a firm proponent of uh, blow dart. Mm-hmm. I love my blow dart. I have um, assisted other agencies with that to, to help offer them my services to be able to um, safely remove an animal without stress to them or the animal. I mean, we've all, anyone that's done euthanasia has had a a dog on a catch pull at some point for pre-med. And I can, I can tell you, I mean, I've never had a good experience doing that. Blow dart is just, I, I will, I will die on that hill if I have to.
1: Which I wish that would be a little bit more. I wish it was easier for the profession to get. I've been working on trying to get chemical capture Mm -hmm. by me for some time and between needing the DEA license and everything and we're, we're struggling to get it.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, And and there's really no good um, pre-med cocktail for that. That isn't controlled. um, If we're being, if we're being honest about it and it's, I mean, I've seen just straight xylazine used on a deer and it almost did absolutely nothing. And yeah. without that controlled substance, it's, it's kind of, it's useless for the most part. But if you have that option, I will hundred percent stand by blow dart. I just, it's so much more peaceful. And the minute you bring it out, people always, they get, they get all amped up because they think it's going to be some super crazy thing, super, the dog's going to freak and run everywhere or and then they watch it, and I've had so many people that have kind of converted to the ideology just by seeing um, an animal be sedated using blow dart rather than catch pole and IM injection. Yeah, and I mean,
1: for yeah.
2: <laughs> It's
0: great info, Kyle. The whole show, I mean, you've been just so informative, and it's really neat to hear that transition from coming out of the field and, and how much... Uh, skills and knowledge you still have of it, and I, I would imagine at some point, if opportunities present themselves, you, you'd get back into it. And uh, it, it's a it's an identity for a lot of us, and uh, it's something that you know not only do we get paid to do, but as Bishop brought up earlier, you know, it kind of can't turn it off even if you leave the field. So uh, it, it's really cool to hear from your perspective the transition, the pivot that you've done, and kind of. I think it'd be neat to check back in with you in a couple, you know, maybe at some point when you do, or if you do uh, make some changes in your career, if you get back into it or continue to to do other things and just how the skills that you learned as an officer uh, really continue to, to, I don't know if shape, but maybe, uh, you know, drive some of the decisions that you make. And, yeah. It, it really, you know, one thing I'll say quickly before we wrap up the show is, like, for me, you know, being in the field as long as I have, and, and Bishop, you can probably relate, it just changes how you interact with people in general. There's there's no place in the world that I, well, maybe the world's different. I do want to go to Egypt one day, and I know it's dangerous. But anyway, there's really no place that I feel unsafe. And it's not because... Like I, I I can't really explain it. I just think it's the interactions that I've had over my career that I you know can speak to people a certain way, and I just I'm not worried about going anywhere. And I, and I grew up in a tough neighborhood, so maybe that's part of it as well. And but at the end of the day, like there's so many skills that you learned in this profession that that just really help propel you into other avenues in the world, and and so it's cool to hear this transition.
2: Yeah, I think I mean with that you you develop a sense to. On how to communicate with people different than yourself, um, I mean, just different um, groups of people. You're able, you learn how to communicate. You're not just mimicking or you're not faking, but you actually learn what people want to hear. And knowing those skills, being able to go in some neighborhoods that people say, "Oh, I wouldn't go there," you you lose that fear because you know what's going on. You see the struggles and you can understand those struggles just because you've been right there with them and some of them. Mm-hmm. And I think you get this odd camaraderie with some of these these lower income or or maybe more dangerous areas, if you will. And it's just something you don't forget. And it's something that humbles you. Um, I've worked uh, a lot of the outreach programs and we offered Pets for Life at one point in DC and we, and we offered Hope. And uh, those two programs, you just you really develop this sense of camaraderie with the people you're, you're helping to serve because you really want to serve them help. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Absolutely. Well, keep in touch, man. We'd love to hear kind of, you know, the next stages and things like that. If, if there are changes at some point and uh, definitely we'll, we'll stay connected on social media as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. And if anybody listening is interested in upgrading their reptile rooms for their shelter, uh, we do offer a nonprofit discount. We do have a program for that shelters can actually sell our enclosures to make some extra money, um, if they are able to do so. So we do have programs. All you have to do is just reach out to us, ZenHabitats.com. There's a there's a spot for our wholesale and dropship. Um, and I love. I mean, we have a new enclosure that actually breaks that can be disassembled and reassembled which my brain instantly thinks this is awesome for shelters. Um, yeah,
0: you know, if you're interested, maybe we'll have you back on and talk more about Zen habitats at some point. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it would yeah. be really cool. And I think the the whole idea of, um, from what I've seen in my career, a lot of shelters aren't prepared for for reptiles when they get them. And so exactly. maybe, talk, maybe talking about what they can do, I guess, proactively. And, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: So that that's really yeah. cool stuff. So
0: it's zenhabitats.com. Yep. With an S.
2: Because uh, if you go to Zen Habitat, it'll actually get you to a closet storage website. It's a bizarre. Um, so Zen Habitats. Um, but they're, they're wonderful enclosures. I keep them my own reptiles in them. I've got way too many animals. And I stand by them just because, I mean, from my own background, from being Animal Patrol for six years, if I can say that this is the humane option, I feel like I have an authority to say that um, at this point. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Well check out the website.
0: Definitely uh, keep in touch, Kyle, and, and we'll we really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me guys. Thank yeah, you. Bishop, you got anything else?
1: No, just wanna thank Kyle for being here.
0: Well, you know what time it is, Bishop. You're you know what, you're leading the outro today.
1: I'm oh I'm leading the outro? Okay. So
2: keep it you,
0: you main main, main. <laughs>